Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to Animates. I'm Paige. And I'm Chris. We are excited to kick off 2023 with you. This is slightly later than promised. The Lunar New Year has, in fact, passed us by. But we today are finally, finally covering a show after all these years that I have absolutely dreaded watching. SpongeBob SquarePants. I would like to note that I was not absolutely dreading this. And in this season, this new season that we are entering, SpongeBob is the first of many shows we will be returning to in the past because there are so many good things that we just didn't get on our meteoric rise to, you know, modern cartoons. Casting fame. (laughs) Yes. Yes, modern cartoons and all that stuff. So we're going to go back and talk about stuff like Rocco's Modern Life and SpongeBob as we're talking about today, yada, yada, yada. So it should be a nice change of pace for us. Going back to the era of yada, 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 if you will. Ooh, I like it. Yes. So as many of you may know, SpongeBob SquarePants is an animated series that premiered on Nickelodeon on May 1st, 1990. Well, no, that's when a preview was aired. It premiered on July 17th, 1999. It is the fifth longest running animated series on U.S. television. It is also the second longest running Nickelodeon Nickelodeon series from the 90s. The longest running Nickelodeon animated series and the first and only Nicktoon uh, to get 11th, 12th, and 13th seasons, as well as being the second longest running animated children's show on U.S. television. In case you were wondering how some of those things could be possible, there was Nick News that started in the 90s and was on for a long time. That's the longest running Nickelodeon series from the 90s. Um... And the longest-running animated children's show is Arthur. I Guys, I just want to give you a little bit of insight into some behind-the-scenes action that we do on the show. You know, we, we, we work for you. We, we care about the material that we, we talk about. And Paige, furiously, with the fervor of that dude from A Beautiful Mind, pieced together and searched, scrounged for the trivia of what show SpongeBob was ranking against in the longest-running animated shows. And she came up with all of that. So props to her. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very good at reading the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we we are both internet experts. Yes. Um, I mean, so uh, I, I do want to say like I, you've what you've outlined can to me be summed up really is it's hard to overstate how big of a deal SpongeBob is in the cartoon space. And if you go back, like if you think back to if you remember this period of time, if you like Paige and I, especially me. Because I'm a little older, were like 10, 
9, 11, 12. Like, that was, like, the the age bracket that SpongeBob seemed to have really been made for. And if you were alive, going to elementary school during that period of time, SpongeBob was fucking everywhere. Everybody was talking about it. There's also a documentary on it that showed that, like, famous people, like, it invaded the zeitgeist. Like, little regional newscasters were talking about this sponge guy. I literally remember as a child there being a piece on the evening news about adults enjoying the children's program SpongeBob SquarePants. We talked to some of them tonight. And, like, it's, Spongebob is, to me, even if Paige doesn't like it as much, is sort of a good (laughs) example of, like, it's the good that happens when a show like that comes and is really, really big. But, like a cow whose teats have been auto-milked for a decade. Dude, what the fuck? (laughs) It starts to become saggy and feel hollow. Oh, God. I chose a visceral example because I feel I that reflects the way that I feel about what they've done to my boy. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so this show was created like so just like just to like reemphasize like how little you can overstate like how long spongebob has been on how much spongebob there is the degree to which spongebob um is a cultural staple so it has currently had 13 seasons um only 13 seasons but it has in fact been on television for 23 years it's still on SpongeBob still has not been canceled, and the only shows that have been on TV longer than it, Arthur, I've mentioned, which is one of those you'll go, oh yeah, Arthur. (laughs) But the only other shows besides Arthur that have been on TV longer than SpongeBob are Family Guy, South Park, and The Simpsons. Like, that's how much SpongeBob there is. And also, much like those shows, many of us ask, should this still be on, really? Could this maybe end? Could this maybe have ended like a really long time ago, perhaps? So I, I think that is an important point because that brings us to what we actually viewed. So we shouldn't make it seem like we watched the whole show. Um, that would have been an exercise in pure masochism. And uh, neither Paige nor I had the mental fortitude to undertake. Yeah, it would have been a truly Sisyphean undertaking. So we decided to to do what old people do and go, oh, well, the real show happened between seasons one and three. And yeah, we uh, we listened to his early stuff. Yeah. And in our defense, like those first there, there's a purpose to that decision. It's not purely arbitrary. We'll, we'll get into it, but we watched the first three seasons as we'll discuss much of the zeitgeisty stuff that people think about when they think about SpongeBob came from those 
three to four years when material was being released. And the, it all really has to do with the dude who made the show. Right? So, so this is a good time to start talking about the show's you know, cast and stuff. So the show was created by Steven Hillenberg. And the reason that we pick the season three to sort of like have been the end for us as, as an attempt was because um, those of you who are also kids during that time may remember that they made a movie. They made SpongeBob, the, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. And after the movie, Steven Hillenberg left the show as showrunner. So there, there are some people, we're not going to get into the veracity of that necessarily, but like people who say like after that, the show changed, not necessarily for the worse, depending on who you talk to, but it did change when Hillenberg left, left the show. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely people feel that way. Um, one thing that's really interesting about Steven Hillenberg is that he didn't, um, so he is an animator, like he is an animator by training. He went to CalArts, which means like, for the record, you know, we're like, oh yeah, all these people who become these famous animators went to CalArts. Yeah, okay, so that is a school that was started by Walt Disney, and to go to CalArts, you have to already be like in addition to being like a straight A student, you also have to already be like an incredible artist to even get into Cal Arts. Like there are many other art schools in the United States where you can like get into school there by, you know, being a like being someone who worked at art throughout high school and, you know, graduate from there being a pretty good artist. But for Cal Arts, like you already have to be like a better artist that people graduate from other art schools being to like get in there. So just for the record, that's that's the Cal art situation. But he also was a marine science educator um, as well. He was doing that. It's not super clear to me whether he was doing that like while. Yeah, OK, so he went to like a regular university majored in marine science and minored in art um he graduated in 1984 and he was a marine science educator and he like worked in an aquarium and only later he started he was like you know what i'm gonna go to fucking cal arts and um major in animation and become an animator which is crazy that is a crazy thing to happen to you and also means that you're like really really talented so what's interesting is because of this like coming to you know animation he he didn't get to calories until 1989 so that means he was like in his late 20s at that time so he was uh um a little bit older than a lot of the other people around him. Um, and he actually, his first job in the industry was as a director on Rocco's Modern Life. So, real 90s cred there. And it's very interesting because 
his time I feel like his time on Rocco's Modern Life affected like certain things about how SpongeBob eventually came to be. For me, it's sort of like the contrast between that sort of like '90s jadedness that Rocco has mm-hmm. versus like SpongeBob's radical genuineness. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's also interesting. Um, he was very involved in the. It was referred to as experimental animation that was popular at the time. I would really more call it surrealist more than anything. And he also preferred at the time to traditionally animate, meaning draw every frame by hand rather than doing any, um, doing, doing, you know, other like more experimental things or by doing digital animation such as it was at the time. Um, and I think that Rocco's modern life was also very surreal and I think that there are aspects of that surrealism that carry over into SpongeBob. It's interesting because you I feel like you can actually see like it feels to me like season two is when they had to start digital. It looked different, but maybe I'm wrong. It looks super different. But yeah, I, I he so so it, it it's also important to understand like Spongebob and his role in it has existed for so long. Like, they made a documentary about it. And you talked to people who were, like, working for him. And he, like, created, like, a very specific environment in his office. So it's one of those cases where, like, reportedly a showrunner creates a very specific work environment. And that affected, like, the kind of jokes that were made and the kind of plots that got made in the show so like this definitely like there's there's a reason to believe that that period of time would produce special content and then them leaving the show would change the show a lot it wasn't it wasn't cosmetic or incidental to like what the show was doing yeah yeah People, people feel that way. He also, like a lot of people worked on this show in the beginning um, that are sort of like, so someone who gets listed a lot uh, in writing credits and directing credits and in voice credits is Mr. Lawrence. And Mr. Lawrence has been in the animation industry since the early 90s and worked on a shitload of stuff. Um, It does kind of seem like once he started working on SpongeBob, it kind of took over his life a little bit. Um, Do you mean Tom Kenny? No, not Tom Kenny. Mr. Lawrence. Huh. Yeah. He... Mr. Lawrence is also the voice of Plankton, uh, and he's the guy who goes, my leg! Um, oh, yeah. He's also, like, also a writer and animator for the show, um, and he started on Ren and Stimpy as a layout assistant, then worked on Rocco's Modern Life as a writer, storyboard artist, and director, as well as providing voices, and then again 
started working on SpongeBob as a writer and story editor and doing voices and has continued to do that for SpongeBob properties for forever as well as doing uh, voices on various other shows he appeared on uh, Camp Laszlo, Billy and Vandy, Aquabats, whatever that is. Yeah, so it kind of seems like he continued to write and animate for SpongeBob, but mostly just did like voices when he was on other shows after that, which is really interesting because I was like, clearly this person is like kind of virtuosic, but like I don't see his name on other credits, and it's because. It's because he was eaten by Spongebob. What? He was, like, I don't, he doesn't, like, he's clearly a virtuosic and talented person in this field, but you don't ever see his name in credits on anything else, and it's because he only works on Spongebob and he's taken over his entire creative life. Okay, you don't mean literally eaten by Spongebob. I was... No! (laughs) Why did that even work? He was eaten by the show. Yes. Okay, okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... His real name is Douglas Lawrence Osowski. So, and he's he goes by Mr. Lawrence, which is interesting. Yeah, so since we're, like, talking about roles on the show, I mean, you could argue that this is the show that made Tom Kenny's career. Yeah, I mean, you could like arguably. I mean, he was on other stuff before this. He was on uh, Powerpuff Girls before this, but yes, SpongeBob is very. I mean, it's uh, it's SpongeBob. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, perhaps, perhaps, maybe making his career is a little bit strong, but he, he. <laughs> In is, I never realized he was on Mr. Show. Like, he is Spongebob. And, yeah. And Spongebob has a lot of him in it as well. And it's it's one of those things where, like, if Tom Kenny had died, I think they would have had to stop the show. So, like, who I don't know that any, like... Tom Kenny is so distinctive. Like, I don't know that there are any other voice actors who can really like do exactly what it is that he does for spongebob in particular like when you think about spongebob i think about spongebob patchy the pirate the french narrator like three hours later that's tom kenny doing a really bad french accent it's hilarious i love it's like it's clearly purposefully bad it's great um, but it's also like that's also really fun because you know it's like Jacques Cousteau or whatever Steven Hillenburg you know like grew up watching Jacques Cousteau and everything so it like brings that flavor to it which is which is great actually but yeah I mean like okay so like Tom Tom Kenny Tom Kenny just to make it clear like everyone you love is Tom Kenny you know um, we've we've talked about this before but it's like. SpongeBob, um, Heifer Wolf in Rocco's Modern Life, Ice King, the narrator and the mayor in the Powerpuff Girls. He's on Johnny Bravo. He's the dog and cat dog. He's apparently fucking Spyro on <laughs> the Spyro video games. He's in everything. But he's also been 
this like suspended adolescent sea sponge for 23 years. I okay, so I have to I want to ask him like because I know in the doc that I watched, he was super into this. Like he really, really like likes this show, like working on the show. I want to know if that's still true. Yeah, I mean, or if he's just like so tired of it at this point. Also, I'm looking at his Wikipedia right now. Do you know that he's only won four Annie's? What? No, sorry. He's only won four awards, period. Two Annie's and two daytime Emmys. That's there's no absurd. Just, there's no justice in this world. He's only been nominated ten times for anything. Yeah, he's been nominated for five Annie's. One, two, two day, three daytime Annie Emmys. One, two, a Kids Choice Award, which he did not win, and a Children's and Family Emmy, which he did not win. This travesty, like a, an absolute travesty. I'm mad. I, I know. <laughs> I'm I'm legitimately angry. And when I say there's no justice in the world, I mean it. And and like every day we stray further from God's light. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, dude. I can't, like, it's like, like a voice acting great, because these are like voice acting specific awards. They're, they're awards for voice acting or performers in an animated program. So I'm sorry, who's fucking beating him for these things? Every single award that he didn't win that was nominated for should have better, better, better fucking have gone to like Mark Hamill. I swear to God. Well, (laughs) okay. So see, that's the thing is like, some of that might have to do with not him as much as like what he was doing at the time. Like I've seen this happen with awards in movies where like every year somebody who should have win one doesn't win. And it's because like so-and-so had like Forrest fucking Gump that year or something like that. It's, it's less about, their quality and more that they're like in the right movies at the wrong time yeah or like they're giving all of the awards to like some fucking like i don't know like um paw patrol or something i don't know (laughs) yeah so maybe maybe it's just because other people were doing other things at the time that attracted more attention than what he was doing but not because he's bad but because of the things that were happening at the time. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm mad. He met his wife on SpongeBob. Oh, wait, no, he didn't meet her. He didn't meet her on SpongeBob, but they both work on SpongeBob. He met her in 1992 while working on something live action. But his voice voices Karen, uh, Plankton's computer wife. I love Karen. I guess. She's good. I guess in recent seasons, you get to see what Karen looks like. But she's a computer. She looks like a computer. I, somebody told that to me, and I'm just passing it along. Um, um hmm, okay. So, yeah. Uh, other, like, all the voices are really, I guess in general, I should say, like, all the voices are very distinctive on the show, yes. which is, like, very helpful to build the ensemble cast, because, like, like, Patrick star the dumb starfish is 
played by somebody who can yell a lot, which is good because he yells uh, so much. It's Bill Fagerbucky. And uh, if you have watched How I Met Your Mother, you would recognize him as Marshall's dad. I never watched How I Met Your Mother. Oh, really? That's interesting. Okay. Uh, well, he's Marshall's dad. Um, he's mostly a live action guy. Um, not really a voice acting guy. Um, and he's mostly a, oh, that guy kind of guy, except for Patrick Starr. So there you go. Yeah. Um, Squidward. <laughs> right. That really nasally voice voiced by Roger Bup. Roger Bumpus, which is fucking hilarious. That's this man's name. I wanted to say bump ass. Because <laughs> um, that's how it's spelled. It is, yeah. If you uh, also from a Christmas story, the Bumpuses, they have the dogs, you know. Um, he, so he, he's Squidward. He's some anchovies. He's the purple fish doctor. And uh, he does some other voice. He does some other voice acting, um, but he also, you know, mostly, mostly he's he's Squidward. Oh, he got a DUI. Hmm. Um, I do know one of the favorite jokes that I didn't catch as a kid that I catch now is how much bad medical advice the show has. Really. Yeah, but I'll, I'll come back right, or just like how incompetent Bikini Bottom healthcare is. Um, oh, sure, sure, sure. But, okay, so Mr. Crab, and I think also the pirate at the beginning who does the theme song, uh, is Clancy Brown, who he's also mostly a live action guy, and he always plays villains. Um, he was in Bad Boys. Uh, he was, he was the Kurgan in Highlander. Uh, he's the sheriff in Pet Cemetery 2. He's a cop in Shawshank Redemption. He's in Starship Troopers. Yeah, he's, he's a villain. He plays villains. He has a villainous looking face. Um, and he does a fucking awesome job as Mr. Krabs. Mr. Krabs is great. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Krabs, for those of you who may not remember... You should. Who who am I even kidding? You know, we're not explaining who these characters are because you fucking know. And if you don't, I don't understand where you've been for the last twenty three years. He's the crab with the money. Yeah. Which he crab, loves money. All crabs in SpongeBob like money. I didn't. I like. Okay, that's interesting because I. I've had a lot going on in my life, and I didn't actually make it all the way through season three. I made it through. Like all of season one and I think all of season two, but maybe just the majority of season two. And I didn't pick up on there being any other. I didn't run into any other crabs, I don't think. So so they go back in time for like Oonga Boonga Spongebob. And in that episode, they lift a rock and there's a bunch of like proto crabs under it. And they don't they they run around and they say they all say money, 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 money. That's funny. So that's my data set, is that all the crabs just ran around saying money. Yeah. 
that's really funny to me. Uh, another one that I really enjoy is Mary Jo Catlett, the voice of Mrs. Puff. Uh, also, the mom from Freaks and Geeks. So that's fun. I, I like that. I'm a fan. She, she has a very powerful mom voice. She really does. Strong mom voice energy. Um, Carolyn Lawrence, who is Sandy Cheeks. Um, she's also notably Cindy on Jimmy Neutron. Um, dude, dude, like Carolyn Lawrence, when she talks, she just sounds like Sandy. Like Tom Kenny doesn't sound like SpongeBob when he talks. He talks like a regular person. Carolyn Lawrence sounds like Sandy Cheeks when she talks. She just, yep, does uh, voice. she just affects a Texas accent on top of her regular voice. And that's just Sandy Cheeks. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. She doesn't really do anything. She just, it's sort of like, well, it's like, you know, someone like Kristen Shaw, who it's like, has this really distinctive voice um, that if you knew her in real life, you might even consider her voice to be annoying. Um, And she's also not uh, what Hollywood thinks of as like, leading lady material but has been able to make an incredible voice acting career for herself just on the basis of the fact that her voice sounds like that she doesn't ever do a voice she just talks yeah everything i learned about texas when i was a kid i learned from sandy cheeks oh man so you learned a bunch of propaganda maybe not some great information about texas <laughs> i learned some propaganda yes <laughs> um Okay, well, and then... Okay, to be fair, the show, like, y- you realize as an adult, the show is making fun of Texas. But yes, yes as a ki- as a kid, I didn't understand what irony was. Of course. So it just all got inserted genuinely into my mind. But anyway... And leave it to this day. <laughs> oh, having lived there, I can tell you that... They don't have pecan pies and cattle everywhere. (laughs) Sandy sings a song about Texas. (laughs) She talks about cows and pecan pie and rodeos. Anyway. Um, And then uh, last sort of like big notable one is Lori Allen, who voices Pearl Crabs. And uh, she's just sort of like a veteran voice actor. She's in a lot of stuff. Um, So those are big sort of like big recurring characters is like oh and you know plankton he's mr lawrence um but yeah those are the those are the big ones those are the biggies weirdly when you hear mr lawrence talk in the spongebob documentary he sounds nothing like plankton so he like really has to change his voice to do that interesting he does like but like most of the other voices that he does um like like are kind of similar to that yeah my leg yeah yeah classic classic my leg um (laughs) my leg (laughs) sorry that dude that that's like on the level of the wilhelm scream now it is yeah for sure like there is they created they created this this insider joke in their show which they very quickly pick up on like you hear my leg in one random episode 
and then it's literally in like almost every other episode starting like five episodes later like they very clearly laughed about it in their studio and then just kept putting it in because they thought it was really funny yeah and it's it's weird it's one of those things where it's like always like someone getting hurt and it's always one specific part of their body is always funny for some reason like there's another like my family my family has always been really into that 70s show and um there was like a whole continuing bit on that where kelso is clumsy and whenever he gets hurt it's always his eye he's always like my eye and that in and of itself is hilarious i don't know why i don't know why that bit's great but it is it's the fact that every time something happens, the same guy hurts his legs is is really funny. Well, and like it's used in situations where they couldn't possibly have hurt their leg, too. Or like it's used in situations where crowds are getting killed, like not killed, crowds are getting like hurt. Like some random dude just screams in the background, my leg! <laughs> um, it's great. It's a really, really great bit. Um, I would be interested to know if they're still doing it. Okay, so I'll, like, I'm sorry. Another thing, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia about the characters right now, and it describes Squidward Tentacles as an octopus, and I'm like, he's clearly not a fucking octopus. He's a squid. His nope. name is Squidward. He, he actually, no, he actually is an octopus. What? He is. This was in the documentary. He is an octopus. Then why is his name, why is his name Squidward? I don't understand why his name would be Squidward if he's an octopus. Because they liked the name Squidward more? That makes me furious. Well, little do you know that Spongebob is actually not a sponge. Well, I mean, like, okay, so he looks like a dish sponge that you used to wash dishes, and that's not what sea sponges look like. So, but if you are about to tell me that he's meant to be anything other than a sponge, sea sponge, I'm going to lose it. Wow, you're being really sponge normative right now. <laughs> you clearly don't have any sponges lying around that are true. No, he is actually supposed to be a sea sponge. Yeah. Yeah, his parents look like what real sea sponges look like. Uh, they also look really old, which is interesting. <laughs> oh, and his grandma, like, also looks like a regular sea sponge. I think SpongeBob SquarePants was done for humor, for alliteration, and because it was, like, something very accessible to children because they could understand a sponge from their sink. Yeah. It was also used to excellent effect in several real life live action visual gags. Yes. <laughs> Those are great. So, okay, so let's, now that we've got the cast out of the way, let's, let's plot. You don't fucking need any guys. That's the beauty. That's part of why. It's not there. That's no like plot. part of why Paige and I did this. We're tired of plot. We don't want to have to pay attention like, oh, da 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 emotional teens, blah da 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 they, trauma. No, no, there's none, there's none of that here. It's just some random 
episodic adventures. Like, SpongeBob is too happy, Patrick is too stupid, Squidward is too cranky, Mr. Krabs is too greedy, Plankton is too evil, thefty. Like, simple. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, there are absolutely no queer AFAB they-thems who are working on their difficult relationship with their mother in this show. Uh, none. Not a one. Couldn't find them. And now... That does slightly overlook the huge gay panic controversy that surrounded SpongeBob in its early run. Yes. Okay. Yes. I was thinking about that too, because at first I was like, why was there this huge gay panic? And then there were one or two episodes about like SpongeBob and Patrick's friendship that I was like, okay, maybe I understand where they like got that idea from. Maybe. I don't know. It, you know, it, it was really parents projecting their own issues with sexuality onto two friends, right? And mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody's going to come out of the woodwork and be like, how dare you? They were roommates them. And I'm like, dude, it was a fucking cartoon about a stupid sponge, not a stupid, a happy sponge and a stupid starfish. Don't get out, get out. It, it, we chose this because we like that it's very on the surface. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With what it is. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, like, there are some, like, very touchy-feely, like, friendship that, like, the Valentine's Day episode where SpongeBob, like, got, like, the just most enormous present for Patrick but then there were issues with it and Patrick's feelings were so deeply hurt by not being given like a nicer Valentine's Day present than everybody else. So that that one is a little bit like, uh, but like the thing is, it's, it's like they're just really good friends and they really love each other. What this says to me is that America was already unable, like getting to the point we are now where like male friendship just like isn't a thing for so many people. And if you are too intimate, you're gay. Like it's very clearly to me, parents were already there. And that that's for me, a better explanation. On the other hand, there is that episode where they wrestle muscly and they tear each other's pants off and they're wearing underwear that is the person's color. Oh, I don't think I got to that one. That's an uh, that's a season one. What? I don't remember this. Yeah, that's they they. It's the Fry Cook Games. No, it's not the Fry Cook Games. It's um no. Is that the Fry Cook Games? It is the Fry Cook Games. So okay, and their underwear are. Colored in some way. SpongeBob is wearing significant. SpongeBob is wearing pink whitey tidies, and Patrick is wearing yellow whitey tidies, which was a poor color choice because it looks looks like his underwear is fucking stained. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I can think. Was like, oh, I know exactly what they're going for here, but guys, you cannot color underwear yellow. Like, and it wasn't just like bright yellow, it was like turgid yellow. Gross. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Oh my god. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I, 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 had, I hadn't thought about it until just now. 
Oh my god. But but yeah, like they're wearing okay, they're yeah. wearing they're wearing each other's under like color underwear. So it's like, are they, aren't they? But no, dude, they're just really good friends. Back the fuck off. Males can be friends and love each other platonically. Male intimacy is allowed. Some would argue that the reason we're having a male like a crisis of young men right now is because everybody doesn't get to feel closeness. Yeah. So, yeah, but there was for sure a huge gay panic about SpongeBob. I remember as a kid, other kids telling me, like, did you know that, like, SpongeBob was originally developed for gay men? And, like, they, this, like, conspiracy theory even had, like, codes for, like, you know, what SpongeBob, like, it's like, well, Squidward's a bottom and (laughs) this, that, and the other. seems accurate honestly (laughs) holy shit holy fuck oh my god you literally just killed me i totally broke the sound like i totally clipped that on the audio because that is too fucking funny i am sorry please continue but yeah it was it was way over the way over the top um yeah like i said does not seem inaccurate to me actually thinking about it that squidward would be a bottom. Honestly, I could see Squidward being a power bottom, quite frankly. But, uh, um, yeah, yeah, I feel yeah, that was there was for sure a gay panic. Uh, now are we just gonna go into what sexual position each SpongeBob character would have? Because that sounds like a cracked article, not our podcast. No, no, um, so yeah, there was a gay panic. But I think it's largely like, so, okay, so actually on the complete opposite side of the gay panic that everyone had, I actually think it's really interesting that like, when Nickelodeon was pitched Spongebob, they thought that Spongebob should be a child and go to school. And Steven Hillenburg was like, no, Spongebob is an adult character, but he created Mrs. Puff in the driving school as a compromise so that SpongeBob could attend school as an adult to compromise with Nickelodeon. And I'm really curious about that. He's like, no, SpongeBob must be an adult character because he behaves like a child. Maybe that I, I okay, I feel like that was part of the point. Was like having not turning into a jaded adult. Rocco was an adult, right? Like, if we use that sort of as, like, a foil, the sort of, like, jaded, grungy adult living of the 90s, there was already that. And I think he really wanted to be, like, levity is not just for children. My God, adults, please have some fun in your fucking lives. Yeah, yeah. I And I think that there's a degree to which, like, Squidward is also an example of that because Squidward, you know, behaves himself. Um, he does things that adults do, like um, like his like cleans his house and you know plays an instrument and uh, hates his job, right? And he's fucking miserable. Like he couldn't be more miserable if he tried. Um, 
and it shows even there's a time where he he moves to tentacle acres to be around only other squidwards who are apparently apparently this is a um species trait this temperament is a species trait of 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 octopi um and he becomes like like unhinged when he's there because he sort of needs like the only thing that's like bringing any kind of like joy or variety to his life is the ability to react to the antics of SpongeBob and Patrick. Yeah. And I I think that that does like a really good job of both showing how Squidward, like that's sort of like the tension that it's, it's very weirdly compelling sometimes where like episodes will center around this idea that Squidward needs SpongeBob, but he refuses to let him know that even to himself. But if he did let go, he would be happy. But there are other episodes showing that he can't be like SpongeBob either. The best example of that is the episode where SpongeBob plays with a piece of paper. Yes, oh my god. And this paper is like magic from the outside. But really what it is, is like imagination and even like the imagination box does this too, where Squidward can't see things the way SpongeBob can because he's fundamentally not really imaginative that like his art, like he's sort of, I have to wonder if he's also like Steve Hillenberg met artists like Squidward and he's sort of a criticism of like modern art from maybe like because it actually because like a lot of the art in spongebob's really like simplistic like hawaiian flowers in the sky bright colors um like surfer pants Mm -hmm. and squidward is the only quote-unquote serious artist who does like modern portraits and sculpture and plays the clarinet but he like doesn't like his art it's all about being the best and getting fame from his art and he's not good and i wonder if that's hillenberg like if he had a criticism against like a lot of artists for being like that maybe yeah, I mean, that seems he's really bad at the what's interesting is that like he's really good at visual arts, but he's really bad at the clarinet. <laughs> well, OK, and to flip it on its head, SpongeBob's or uh, Squidward's art actually is not bad. Mm-hmm. The show just makes fun of it. Yeah, definitely. And it's like very it's like very traditional, you know, like, um, yeah, it feels like Squidward actually has some like there's an episode where SpongeBob creates like a statue of David out of marble after hitting it once. And <laughs> and that whole episode Squidward is trying to sell art to an art collector and Squidward's like this is where like Squidward in repose comes from. That that's a meme and it's not bad. Like it's just modern. Like it's it's abstract art. And the dude wants nothing to do with it and wants like really classical self-evident art. And so I don't know, man, 
The show makes fun of it. It's bad. It's really not that bad, but it's also sometimes really bad. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I think it's like I uh, definitely. I definitely. At like really relate to Squidward at times. There are times where Squidward's like, you know, being like, everything is the worst. I hate this job. You were the most annoying people I've ever had the displeasure of being around. I'm like, I feel you, Squidward. <laughs> well, I feel like that Squidward is meant to be a character adults can empathize with, too. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think they would... Like, like they we've would... all had that job. We've all had that co-worker. And, I, you know, as time goes on, they make... They shit on Squidward a lot, but, like... It, like, every, like Spongebob gets shat on, too. So, I, I feel like these different characters are ways to invite adults in a little bit. Where you can be, like, oh, Spongebob's cool here. But then you can be like, oh, I really understand Squidward. Right? It's an on-ramp for adults. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Mr. Krabs, let's discuss Mr. Krabs. He's a pirate that's not a pirate. He's an old sailor who talks like a pirate and loves money and nothing else. Like his, like, well, his daughter. He loves his daughter. Yeah, but when push comes to shove, he finds a way for money to win. Fair enough. Fair enough. Like, I would like to understand how this crab became a single father to this sperm whale. I like I would like an explanation as to how this happened. It does not appear that lineage matters in like genetics. Like she's like, his biological daughter. What? How? Don't don't ask me. I don't know anything about sex. The, <laughs> I guess the crab crawled up in there. Ew. Oh, God. <laughs> That's one of the worst things I've ever said. Yeah, it's like literally one of the worst things I've ever heard anyone say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to be fair, she is a really, really small whale. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, she's an adolescent. I don't know. That's part of it. But, you know, something I think is really interesting is that, like, uh, Mr. Krabs's favorite swear is Mother of Pearl. So it stands in for like Mother of God, uh, and Mother of Pearl is also like obviously it's the stuff that's on the inside of an oyster shell, the shiny, the shiny bit that sometimes you make like jewelry or buttons out of. But also I'm like, like your wife, like I, like your ex-wife, your your dead wife. I don't know. Is that are you taking her name in vain? Explain. Well, his favorite curse word is actually. <laughs> That was a very bad um, dolphin noise from the episode where SpongeBob learns to curse. Apparently, oh. they had a lot of fun making that episode because they would make up random swears in recording and then they oh dubbed God. over them. That's so funny. I thought that was hilarious. I want to know the curse words they made up when they recorded that. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know what's up with Mr. Krabs, man. He's 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 greedy. He's he's a nice capitalist stand-in for the show a lot. Yeah, like, definitely. He like there's even an episode where they like go on strike 
and unionize. It's kind of mixed in terms of showing a union, but <laughs> um, actually the unionists win until SpongeBob burns down the Krusty Krab. David Spongebob. Which Actually, I think like Mr. Krabs to me is the funniest character. I love uh, Mr. Krabs. Yeah, he's great. I just like, I can't... <laughs> the one where Squidward feeds, uh, uh, accidentally feeds Spongebob an exploding pie. Um, and <laughs> Mr. Krabs is like, I've seen this before. <laughs> well... It's You've seen this before? And Mr. Krabs is like, 11 times, in fact. Um, interestingly, in that episode where the nuclear bomb goes off, Bikini Bottom is under Bikini Atoll, where they did a lot of nuclear tests. Nuclear testing. Yeah, for sure. That's why everyone there is so fucked up, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I one of the nice things is, like, there's no plot. Like, nothing ever really changes in Bikini Bottom. And... The first season does some stuff where, like, Sandy Cheeks comes to town, the squirrel that lives under the water, um, and introduces, like, Mrs. Puff in the boating school. Which, by the way, I've never said this in my entire life. Thank you, Nickelodeon execs, for demanding there be a school thing, because Mrs. Puff and SpongeBob are some of the funniest parts of the show. She has SpongeBob-based PTSD. Like. He cannot drive, and miss the episodes where Mrs. Puff like puffs up upon even just like seeing SpongeBob are great. Oh, SpongeBob! <laughs> Why? <laughs> and like, I don't know. Like SpongeBob gets to do some school stuff that kids will relate to. Like one time he's got a bully, another time. He, which, by the way, that episode is really funny because, like, he gets beat up, but because he's a sponge, the punches don't register on his body. <laughs> um, and then there, like, Patrick annoys him in school, which kids can relate to. So I actually think execs did the show a favor. Ugh. That felt that felt Hurts dirty. Say. Felt dirty coming out of my mouth. Yeah. Awful. Terrible. Awful. Also, something I'd like to say, uh, squirrels don't hibernate. Paige is really, that... really on this, guys. I don't know why it makes me so mad, but they make a whole huge deal about Sandy hibernating um, in many episodes, and squirrels don't hibernate there aren't any varieties of squirrels that hibernate like because i was like oh so i don't squirrels don't hibernate and i looked it up and there are no squirrel species that hibernate what the fuck she was clearly just being used as a stand-in or a proxy for bears yeah because she acts Though, like a bear too in that episode she does for sure okay so another thing that as soon as i started watching this time you know as a kid i was like her name Famous Sandy Cheeks. She's a squirrel. Uh, they have big cheeks and they keep stuff in their cheeks. That's the explanation. That's funny. But as an adult, I immediately started laughing really hard at Sandy Cheeks because it's like under the ocean. And when you go to the beach, you like your butt cheeks get sandy. Yep. <laughs> I'm sorry for explaining that really obvious joke, but that's one that it took me until adulthood till, until I was like, ha! True. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's see. I'm trying to think about other things that I think the show is like. Okay, so the show 
also is multimedia. It mixes in Mm -hmm. like live action components, whether it be pictures of a sponge and a starfish for Patrick and SpongeBob or Patchy the Pirate played by Tom Kenny, who does like the SpongeBob fan club. Like it, it uses real things to pretty good effect. Yeah, I think it's really, it's actually really interesting. And like the bit where like, Spongebob is is sick and the way to solve it is like they use him as a literal sponge right and they just have like an actual live action sequence of a like a dish sponge being used by like a live action hand is is really really funny yeah I think that's I I, I forgot just how much live action stuff they had more than you would expect more than you would expect. Like, their specials are always opened by Apache the Pirate scene, which is cool. Um, in addition, they use a lot of music, too. So I think one of the things that would eventually make SpongeBob so, so such a staple is that it is a very musical show. Yeah, definitely. Not only do they, like, sing songs and stuff, but it's just, like, they um, they just use music to great effect. Like, even the um, composers section of, you know, people who worked on Spongebob is, like, really long. Usually with most animated shows, it's, like, max three people. There's, like, a whole bunch of people in here. And there's a lot of, like, you know... Um, like Polynesian or or we might say Hawaiian inspired type stuff. Um, there's beach rock type stuff, like you know Beach Boys kind of stuff. There's classical inspired stuff. There's sea shanty inspired stuff. They use a lot of different, basically a lot of different types of music that make you think of the sea, right? Um, to to great effect. So much piccolo. Yeah, there's like. Anytime the crusty crab is involved, it's like da 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 like they use motifs to really, really, really quickly get the audience mentally on the same page. which really, really helps, I think. They use a lot of like actual songs too, like everybody remembers well, Paige doesn't remember, but like Living in the sunlight, singing in the sunlight, having a wonderful time, which is a song that exists outside SpongeBob, um, mm-hmm. Tiny Tim, and like they use um, "Sweet Victory" for the episode where they they go play at like the Super Bowl, <laughs> which which is an iconic episode. Like that that episode is like very very good, but also like people generally remember it. Um, they also, yeah, I'm trying to think of, of other good examples of that, but I think you pretty much covered it, you know, um, lots of California inspired feels to the show. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially on episodes where they go to Goo Lagoon where Larry the lobster is you know it's a it's a true i think you said it immediately upon you know us watching the first episode like so like the fourth episode of the show is like the famous ripped pants one and uh, i think chris put it put it best when he said 
the Chad Larry versus the Virgin SpongeBob. <laughs> Which is really weird because SpongeBob does legitimate karate with sandy cheeks. Also, by the way, that show got so many people into karate. I think I literally might have joined karate because of that show. Um, oh my God. I know. So anybody who ran a karate studio during like 1990, 2000, you're welcome. Um, but he's strong sometimes and then he's really weak other times. So he can kind of be whatever you need him to be to, to make it funny. Right. The classic Weenie Hut Jr. episode. <laughs> Super Weenie Hut Jr. Like. I, okay, I just, I want to say, like, I don't care whether it's, like, visual gags, like, Goo Lagoon, how is there water under the water? Or why, like, sometimes they can float, and other times they have episodes about flying. It, like, it's really inconsistent, but it's fine, because it doesn't have to make sense, because the visual gags are really funny. I... Was rem I like legitimately laughed more at the show than I laughed at shit being made right now? So yeah, it 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 really hits for me personally. It's just a very funny show, and I think comedy like has a core place in animation, and I think that's why I had so much trouble keeping on track watching our holy fuck, Chris. Yeah. Goo Lagoon. Goo Lagoon is apparently supposed to be a subaqueous brine pool, which is a real thing. It's a real thing. It's sometimes called an underwater lake. This exists in reality. <laughs> I can't do this. Uh, uh, Dude, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I mean, I said I told you earlier it would have to be whatever it is would have to be denser than water. They're dense. They have a really high salinity, and so they're denser than the rest of the ocean. Fuck. Dude, I can't. <laughs> well, this just goes to show you that the ocean really is the final frontier. <laughs> it really is. I can't deal with this, dude. I And they typically are surrounded by a muscle bed. So instead of like being sand, it would be, be a lot of like muscles. But still, Jesus. Jesus Christ, that's, um, oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, brine pools are anoxic and deadly to most organisms. When an organism enters a brine pool, they attempt to breathe the environment experience cerebral hypoxia. Oh, shit, there's that episode where they drown in Goo Lagoon. Oh, my God. Where Spongebob um, pretends to be, where Spongebob pretends to be a lifeguard. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I can't. Uh, the pictures, okay, the pictures look like Goo Lagoon. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I can't. That's, I, that's like, I just I just happened to screw. Roll down on, on the SpongeBob Wikipedia and it mentions Goo Lagoon and that it is a real type of thing. Of course, Steven Hillenberg, man, I just, uh, he's, um, 
he clearly want, knows what's up. Dude, he, this He wanted this to teach up. I can't. He, he wanted to teach the children. Yes. He wanted to teach them about what there is. Dude, what the fuck, dude? Uh, this is really wrinkling. This is kind, your, of, it's kind of terrifying to me. <laughs> this is really wrinkling your brain, huh? It is for sure. Apparently, G Jellyfish Fields is a seagrass meadow, and that is a real thing also. And they look very, very like nice and attractive and pleasant. It really looks like a whole bunch of... Like it's seagrass, not a whole like not like a kelp forest, like literally like a field. It looks like a field of grass, but it's underwater. Well, and okay, so other other okay, so I feel like at this point, what what is there left to say about SpongeBob? Like they were, it was very smart people helmed the show, created this weird like Nickelodeon almost rejected it out of hand because of how weird it was, and. It's not weirder than like a wallaby who okay. like is depressed. I, yeah, but I, I guess they thought it was. They thought it was like, oh, this geeky, genuine sponge guy is weird. Yeah. It just goes to show you and, that ninety nine percent of the time execs are fucking stupid, and the one percent of the time is where they co write or co suggest a school, and we get the boating school. That's the one percent of the time that they. Are, are worth something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, cause there's just so much, there's just so much. It's the show has become so famous and such a mainstay that there's just so much information about the show and the production of the show. And, um, like discussions that they had with, the studio executives and how they made different kinds of decisions. And like, there's just, you could read and read and read and read about, um, you know, uh, about, th about this show, like so much. Um, but it's just, it, I also feel like in addition to how, influential it is and how much of stuff from that show became sort of like mainstays for other shows of the time period i also feel like it was like attitudinally counter to other shows of the time period because i feel like it came it came up right on right on top of a decade of television that was across across mediums and across networks largely pretty mean-spirited um and only in the 2010s did we see this shift into like sort of like earnestness um and, and, and sincerity because if you think about it if you think about um you know things as diverse as like the fairly odd parents and the office you know um the people, the characters aren't really um, good people. Like the characters aren't necessarily people who are like deserving of our respect. And they generally aren't very nice to other people. And a lot of it is about laughing at people's misfortune. And um, both the misfortune of our protagonist and the misfortune of people around our protagonist, 
The protagonist laughs at other people. Other people laugh at the protagonist. It's it's just like, you know, like TV was kind of mean spirited for about 10 years. But SpongeBob, despite being one of the biggest shows of that time period, was not mean spirited. People were getting tired of Seinfeld, Paige. Yeah, but the thing is, Seinfeld was on throughout the 90s, and then we get, like, we, you know, even after 9-11, TV is mean. You know, you would think, oh, 9-11 happened, TV should be nice now. It wasn't. It was mean for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. Um, I mean, yeah, I just think it's interesting, because SpongeBob, SpongeBob is such, like, a loving little guy. You know, he's, like, kind of in suspended adolescence, but, like... Some of the ways in which he is childlike are the intensity with which he feels his emotions and the the openness with which he feels them and his like love for his friends and his joy at just living the fact that he like says, you know, he likes to play or whatever. Um, But really what that just means is going out with friends and doing things and having just like joy uh at at life and he like cares about other people a lot you know you might say that f is for friends that do stuff together u is for you and me n is for anywhere and anytime at all down here in the deep blue sea you might say that so that song was the first song that i ever downloaded on limewire Right out there in in viewer land, if you understood what I said, you just got a shiver down your spine and yeah, maybe nostalgic about the awful days of LimeWire. But yeah, if we have any Gen Z listeners, they don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But um, maybe some highlights, you know, there's no plot to speak of, but there are SpongeBob has been a meme factory for a long time. Um, All of the best memes come from Spongebob. They really do. It's just the sheer amount of content means that there's a meme for every situation. Now, I will say the chicken, the mockery Spongebob, the one where he's pretending to be a chicken, comes from like 2008. So it's it's a season past the movie that that one comes from. But what's really interesting is that the majority of SpongeBob memes and the majority of like iconic SpongeBob episodes are from the first three seasons. 100, 100%. He was number one. Dude, I, um, other things that, uh, kill me about SpongeBob. The fact that they have a superhero named Mermaid Man. Not Merman, Mermaid Man. (laughs) And Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy appear to be normal human elderly men who live under the sea. Very confusing. (laughs) And all of their powers come from their costumes, which is a very funny joke. Yeah. Um, And like they really play into the fact that they are really old unfortunately both of their voice actors have died um uh, yeah so that was ernest borgnine delightful delightful uh ernest borgnine playing uh mermaid man and then barnacle boy was tim 
Conway. Um, so they, uh, they're like real, like, like television, television greats from like way, like from the actual 1960s. Did you, um, did you watch 30 Rock? I've watched some 30 Rock. Blake is really into 30 Rock. Okay, well then it's probably something Tim Conway shows up in a very funny episode of 30 Rock where he talks about how weird Hollywood used to be. Um, But it's weird to hear Barnacle Boy say some of the things he says. Um, Hmm. (laughs) But let's see other highlights. Other highlights. Uh, Larry the Lobster is a bodybuilder. And Mm. they all the bodybuilders have dysmorphia. Yeah, like really badly. Which is also true to life. What else? Yes. Um, okay, so I oh my god, what? They got uh Avril Lavigne and the violent femmes to cover the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song. Oh yeah, I've heard Levine, it. Ever Levine, sure, one thing, you know, she was big at the time, but like the violent femmes? What? <laughs> What's Spon- going on? SpongeBob has had a lot of famous guest stars over the years. It's sort of it's kind of like SNL in that way, where like a lot of famous people come come do it and it's known. That's crazy. What else? Yeah. I think um okay so like well, let's let's can we briefly mention the episode you know the one with extremely sinister energy that you definitely have like remembered for your whole life and you're like dude what the fuck that one yeah yeah we're, the one where they go to the bottom of the sea yeah we're at a minute and 13 so this will be our this will be our send off okay so you may remember where they go under the ocean to the deep sea and SpongeBob gets stuck there. Legitimately creeped me out as a kid. Oh my, it scared me as a child. Well, and undersea fish look like fucking aliens. They're fucking terrifying, dude. They're awful. Yeah, like, I, I just, they're very upsetting. I, like... And the the episode is very upsetting. It has the most sinister energy. (laughs) Like, I remember, like, in, like, other, like, other people remember this, too. Every once in a while, you're like, do you remember, like, that episode of SpongeBob? And they're like, yes. Well, I think it, like. It's weird because, like, the Flying Dutchman is the ghost pirate that eats people's souls. And he is not as scary as that Deep Sea episode. Which, by the way, Paige. Has the thing about the Flying Dutchman. Yes, the Flying Dutchman is the boat. The captain of the Flying Dutchman is Davy Jones. Like, the Flying Dutchman is a boat, not a person. I remember getting a text from Paige that was very angry when she watched that episode. Very upset about it. But, yeah, that that episode is very creepy, but it does have one of the best jokes of the whole show. Which, remember, in that episode, nobody can understand Spongebob because he thinks that you have to make a uh, sound, like stick out your tongue and go sound every beginning and end of a word. So 
at the very end of the episode, this dude is trying to help him out, and he goes, Thank you. And the dude just says back up, You're welcome. It's <laughs> it's a very, very funny joke. It's so funny. Because it's like SpongeBob gains that um he thinks that because he's trying to like talk to people down there and they're all doing that and he just like speaks and someone's so like sorry I can't understand your accent you know so Spongebob's trying to make himself understood but then like when that guy just says you're welcome you're like were people just like fucking with him the whole time because they could tell he was an out of towner yeah it's it that episode is one of the best one of the best up there with like the sweet victory episode um, the FUN song, they're all great. You'll, you'll be surprised how many iconic episodes there are in that first three seasons. It's a lot. I personally, I had no memory of the Exploding Pie episode, and I really enjoyed that one. Yeah. So yeah. I think even though towards the end, Paige was like, I don't like this as much as I had hoped. I really like it's still very annoying it's um i will say like i do wonder if it's gendered because it's like you know the like really gross shots thing is a big standby of spongebob and i'm not a huge fan of it and like sometimes but like you know like part of the humor of spongebob is actively being annoying and it works on me it annoys me like when spongebob just like won't stop laughing his spongebob laugh i'm like Okay, let's move on from this bit. <laughs> yeah. Um I will say that the show had a good mix of masculine and feminine traits, so I feel like it was appropriate for both little boys and little girls and little little anyone's. Um Little anyone's seemed to like that show. Um yeah, so I don't know if it's gendered or if I'm just more sensitive to things being. Well, I bring that up because usually Paige has been like, the show was made for little boys and it clearly works that way. Yeah. Um, this show doesn't feel quite like that. It feels like it could really have been accessible to anyone. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But it's still gross. Very gross. Yes. Yes, I don't... <laughs> I don't like it when they zoom in on somebody's face and it's all like crusty looking. That grosses me out. I'm not a fan. I I think you guys should go give some old episodes a watch just for fun. You'll be surprised how much you might like it. Yeah, if you have Amazon Prime, it's on there for free. So um, that's a that's a great place to watch it. But I I think SpongeBob, thank you for refreshing our palates. You have done your duty. We will be moving on to other Nick shows yeah, as well. So stay tuned. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Really appreciate you bearing with us. Uh, we want to wish you all a happy new year. Um, please, as always, give us a follow on Twitter at Animates or on Facebook, Animates Podcast. If you have questions, suggestions you know, rants, you want to swear at us, whatever, uh, we can be emailed at animates at gmail.com with the numeral eight instead of the letters A-T. If you wouldn't mind uh, rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast, that would help other people who might like this find it. And as always, I have been Paige. And I've been Chris. And this has been Animates.